Good evening, folks. Dice Roll Zine Ramblecast episode 20. Tonight's episode is a mishmash of stuff. I catch up on some stuff that I forgot that I did in 2019. I talk about discovering magic items in your fantasy campaigns. I do a two-minute review of Hole in the Oak, an old-school essentials module for by Gavin Norman, Necrotic Gnome. And then I get weird. Cue the Dead Kennedys. Went to a party. And it's a night. And it's 16 years in the side of the mind. But I'm chilling. You're out of luck. Once again, I'd like to remind our listenership that the Dice Roll Zine Ramblecast is completely 100% unofficially sponsored by Nickel Brook Breweries. Always fresh, small batch, Nickel Brook Breweries, based in uh, Burlington, Ontario. Uh, they have a good selection of India Pale Ales and other beers for your drinking pleasure. I'm enjoying a headstock India Pale Ale tonight. I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. And if anyone from Nickel Brook Breweries should ever hear this, uh, feel free to send me some. I'm pimping your shit for you. Thanks. So I have to do a little bit of a catch-up segment here on the Dice Roll Zine Ramblecast for episode 20. Because the last few episodes I did, uh, since I've sort of gotten back into the podcasting thing in the new year, um, I talked about the RPGs that I played in 2019 and how I didn't really do fuck all. And for the most part, that was true. But I'm doing a disservice to a couple of folks. Well, Matt Jackson in particular, because in 2019, uh, in the springtime, when my youngest child was just a few months old, a couple of months old, uh, he slept really well, for the most part. So I actually got to play in Matt's Black Hack mini campaign, um, along with... uh, Vance Atkins and Shane Ward and we did a couple sessions I was only part of a couple sessions myself but we discovered some wonderful uses for enslaved unicorns and I'm just gonna leave it at that but I got to play in in a game a black hack game run by Matt he was really hot in the black hack and uh, also in October of 2019 I got to play a white box Midderlands game also run by Matt Jackson Uh, this was a solo game so I think we did two or three sessions and it was very brief and I played Tor Rune Gold who was like a 16 year old wannabe fighter and uh, he met up with um, some interesting 
characters <laughs> who lived in a tree on his farm and uh, it was great 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 fun uh, even though it was very brief so some other stuff uh, with this catch-up segment games that I, I read and tinkered with in 2019 Troika I did I did a review of that in uh, a recent podcast I, I kind of came up with a Troika Middle-earth hack so that was that occupied me for a few weeks anyway until I got kind of bored with it but um, that was interesting to do anyway another thing I did in 2019 was I I rediscovered my passion for the icon system by last Uni- unicorn games uh, specifically the Star Trek line so I read a lot of uh, Star Trek next generation Star Trek deep space nine some of those books that I have still on my shelf that I've kept for that game system I also worked on my fantasy heartbreaker um, which everybody has of course if you're a role player and you're at all a tinkerer you have a fantasy heartbreaker system which you're working on perpetually forever for your entire life and you will never publish it um, so I continued to working on my fantasy heartbreaker which is kind of a combination of board game slash fighting fantasy slash Dungeons and Dragons slash Warhammer and any rate something like that the other thing I worked on was um, in the late spring or early summer I released part of a pamphlet RPG called Barbarians and Black Magic and uh, this is basically my uh, very GURPS fantasy trip influenced uh, mini pamphlet sized RPG uh, devoted to sword and sorcery so that's the other thing I did last year so if you're interested in any of that stuff or if you're interested in dice roll zine my stupid old school zine which I blab about on my dice roll zine podcast uh, you can go to my blog which is dndborderlands.blogspot.com and you can find out stuff there there will be links to my uh, big cartel uh, page where you can buy dice roll zine and print or you'll find links to uh, drive through RPG where you can get dice roll zine and PDF so um, really I, I felt I needed to do a bit of a catch-up post or a, sorry a catch-up segment because a couple episodes ago I kinda said I did fuck all in 2019 and and for the most part that was true but it wasn't entirely accurate there were some things going on uh, with me that I was able to spend a little bit of my free time doing so uh, yeah so now we'll move on to the next segment Discovering magical item powers in your campaign. 
how do you like to handle it? So I guess basically with uh, magic items, I mean magic items <laughs> in any kind of old school kind of, or even new school fantasy role playing game, magic items are kind of the shit. I mean it's, it's really what it's all about for players, right? I mean treasure is good and all that stuff gets you experience and you can buy nice manners and uh, build armies and all that kind of stuff, but really being lit up like a Christmas tree is what the fuck it's all about. So, how do you handle that stuff in game? I mean, obviously, there, there's really three kind of ways you can do it, right? Detecting and discovering magic items. You use the old school Detecto Magico, Read Magico uh, spells to find out something, and you experiment as a character with the item that you discover once you've detected that it's magical. The second method I guess is a l still old school but advanced D&D I suppose <laughs> uh, where you have spells like identify which can you kind of bypass the character experimentation process and a spell allows you to uncover information. And the third method really involves NPCs. You hire uh, mages, you hire magical experts, sages, whatever you want to call them. You hire those guys and you pay them to tell you what the hell's on the magic items. So so really those are three of the ways that you can do it. I mean maybe there's some other ways. I'm more than happy to hear what you guys have done uh, out there in uh, the OSR land. Give me a shout let me know what you guys have done. But really, those are the three ways you can discover, uh, detect, and then discover what magical item powers are. I'm I'm deeply entrenched in the first <laughs> method. Uh, I only like detect magic and read magic as spells involving magic items. Um, because once you get into things like identify from advanced Dungeons and Dragons, and then later editions, there's even more specific ones. But once you take it beyond the detecting that it's magical and then having to spend the time to figure it out as a character once you go beyond that and you make the system do it for you I'm not sure it's quite as engaging um, but maybe that's just me I mean people enjoy that you know style of play quite a bit I'm sure so and as far as NPCs go that's you know that's that's I guess also an old school way of doing it but it's kind of uh, resource drain I guess you could say because you're making people spend money to find out what things do and I guess if you if you use the spending money as as experience points kind of philosophy then I guess that makes sense too as well but but really I guess the, the only other way really to discover what magic items do is I guess some kind of divine provenance right you know if you're a cleric <laughs> your god gives you you know knowledge about how to uncover the powers of magic items but um, but yeah so I mean if you guys have house rules as far as detecting and identifying magic items discovering what their powers are I'm I'd love to hear them I mean for my my kind of white box and 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 old-school sort of games basic expert type games I, I actually created a house rule it's a class ability. I had it in, in Dice Rolls in uh, number two. 
Uh, it's called Arcane Study. And what it is, it's a class ability for magic users. And it allows them uh, to study, uncover lore and information and uh, specific powers um, from a magic item based on a 2d6 plus intelligence check. And uh, so that's that's my little house rule about that. So yeah, exploring how to discover magic items and what they do. They're a cornerstone. Magic items are a cornerstone of fantasy role-playing games and other genres too. But I mean, I generally on my podcast I focus on fantasy games. But um, but really, there's there's the three methods. There's the old school way of detecting the magic item, and then you have character experimentation. Then there's the still kind of old school way, but advanced D&D kind of way, where you have a spell which specifically allows you to do something, which costs you resources and time to do. And then there's the third method, which is you pay people to do it for you. And I guess there's kind of the 3A method, which is, our, or I guess maybe the 1A method, where a, a, a cleric, if you're a cleric, your, your god gives you the power to, to uncover information about magic items. So discovering magic items. Let me know what you guys think. How do you like to handle it in your games? Dice Roll Zine Ramblecast. Two Minute Reviews. in the Oak, an expedition into the mythic underworld. A classic dungeon adventure for characters of first to second level for the old school essentials rule system. Writing layout by Gavin Norman, illustrations James West, cartography Carl Schoenberry. What I love about this adventure, there's, there's three things that are great about this uh, adventure. The layout, Gavin does an incredible layout with this. The room descriptions, the keys are laid out brilliantly. I love the brevity. Um, he basically uses a bolded keyword style with brief parenthetical descriptions following that. And then subsections detailing uh, more specific items that are located within each key description, whether it be things like traps, uh, monsters, anything um, of note within the room. Uh, the second thing I love about the adventure is the uh, offbeat illustrations by James West. Uh, they're colorful, they are quirky, it's wonderful James style. The third thing I love about this adventure is it makes no pretense that it's not uh, an expedition into the mythic underworld. There's not a lot of backstory, there's not a lot of fluff text there's not a lot of verbiage spent on explaining the way things are there's lots of random tables there's lots of brief descriptions of things within rooms that are important and it does a really really good job of doing that now the things i don't like about the hole in the oak there are actually very few <laughs> one of them is the table of contents it's a whole page for a 32 page digest size adventure 
I think that's a bit excessive, uh, but that's a minor quibble. Um, the other thing I'm not too sure about is actually Gavin's layout. Uh, I love what it does. It's innovative. It's creative. And it just it lays out the information really well. But I'm not sure it works in a double column kind of wall of text format. I mean, he breaks up the text quite a bit with the illustrations, um, but I don't know that the layout is completely conducive to what he's trying to do with uh, the way he presents the information. It's a good it's a good start, and I really dig it, and I'm probably going to do something similar for most of my uh, so-called adventures, if I do any. I don't really like to write adventures, but... Once again, the good things. The layout, it's unique. It's brief. It helps. You don't need to intimately understand this adventure to be able to run it, so it's good for old-school DMs. The art is creative and evocative and wonderful, and it's an old-school adventure. <laughs> it's not pretending to be anything else. And Carl Schoenberry's maps, uh, map is awesome. I'm, I, I failed to mention that earlier, but the map is a two-page spread, and uh, it's Carl's wonderful style, quirky style, and uh, there's some color highlights which help you draw your eye to certain pieces of information, such as locked doors, monsters, and the room numbers, and things like that. Overall, well done. Good job, Gavin. I'm going to give Hole in the Yoke three metal hordes out of four. Now, one of the things I realized I failed to do in my two-minute review of Hole in the Oak was to give a bit of a description about what exactly the dungeon module is. Uh, the Hole in the Oak, an expedition into the mythic underworld, a hole in an oak tree leads characters down to a maze of twisting, root-riddled passageways, the chambers of an ancient wizard complex, and the banks of an underground river where once a reptile cult built their temples. The background of this adventure is left deliberately vague. Gavin describes a little bit of the history of three major inhabitants of the dungeon. Now, the factions in the dungeon uh, include current dungeon inhabitants include heretic gnomes, a mutagenic ogre, sheep-headed fawns, troglodytes, and river ghouls. Now, there's several unanswered mysteries, which is wonderful about this module. Freaky things like you'll find chess pieces or mysterious jars, some black skeletons, and just odd things like that. Uh, so yeah, so I just thought I should tidy up my review. Cheers. We have colors. We have colors. Hey, Steve, Tim here. Uh, it's good to hear you getting back into gaming and doing uh, some more creative work and uh, getting into Zine Quest 2. That's great. Get your third uh, dice zine, dice roll zine out there and everything. So glad to. Uh, Glad you're getting back into it, and uh, hopefully you'll be playing on Thursday night with the rest of us and causing trouble and and uh, just being obnoxious because I know you're good at that. So, <laughs> all right, Steve, take care, man, and I hope to game with you soon.
Thanks for the call, Tim. Um, yeah, dice roll zine for zine quest on Kickstarter. Yeah, that's scaring the shit out of me right now. I realize I left it way too late to get the stuff organized uh, on the campaign side of it. So, yeah, I'm behind the eight ball on that one. I don't know how that's going to work out, but we'll see how it goes. Thanks for calling in again, Tim, and uh, sorry I missed you guys this week, but I had to work a double shift. I did the day shift and then the night shift. Yay. Next week, dude. Later. Happy fucking birthday, Matt Jackson. You motherfucker. Have a great day. Here's one for you that you'll have no idea what it is. Uh. One, two, three. Everybody say beauty.